Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, the Fizzler texts us on our Ashley Five Floors text line. He sent this text to me yesterday. Uh, and he's not often one to compliment us, but he said this, Bob, he said, hey, Bob, I know last night was the first time you didn't travel with the team to do on a game on the road. Just wanted to say the broadcast was still great. That one comes to us from the Fizzler. We're going to bring Jack Michaels in, but we got to do one more text from Dave. He says, good question today regarding who is better, Kiss or Rush? And I, we opened with Rush, Spirit of the Radio, and then I told the story about Kiss saying that uh, a couple of members of Kiss said they thought Rush was the best opening act, uh, that they had the best opening set they'd seen out of anybody that played before them. Uh, Dave says, Rush are ten times the band Kiss are when it comes to musical talent, but Getty Lee's voice has always made me want to pull out my eyelashes one by one with rusty tweezers. So the win goes to Kiss overall on this one. Canadian or not, Rush just don't do it for me. That one comes to us from Dave. Let's bring aboard Jack Michaels, who's the biggest nickelback. No, not really. Jack Michaels from uh, the Oilers Radio Network and NHL Hockey and Rogers. Hello, Jack. How are you? I disagree with that last texture. I I really feel, I mean, especially talent-wise, Kiss isn't even in the same universe. Uh, in terms of a show, you know, certainly Kiss had, had a great show, especially in the late 70s. The, the key for me is once they took their makeup off, I don't think anyone ever recovered from that. Uh, and <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think if you look back on it, they, by taking the makeup off, they literally went from, as they built themselves, the biggest rock and roll band in the world to irrelevant by the mid-'80s. So uh, just, just goes to show you when you've got a good first instinct, stay with that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that's not the first time somebody took some makeup off. 
Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, scoring points because you went with the Canadian band. Way to go. But you wouldn't, uh, you're not a huge Nickelback fan, as I recall, right? No, no. But I did. I, I really liked Rush. Uh, I had a, actually, believe it or not, I had a, a friend who was a bit older than me in high school who, who was kind of first to the party on Rush. And we were the classic AV nerds that like Rush and thought we were cooler than everyone else because we kind of discovered them. Uh, we, we really felt cool. So I actually have a long history with Rush. I, I was a big, I was a big Rush guy. Unfortunately, uh, later my one of my college roommates tried to convert me. He, he, he's like, "Oh, you like Rush, so you like Yes," and I didn't like Yes at all. It's not even close to the same thing as as you can tell because people have completely forgotten about the band Yes. Owner of the Lonely Hearts was that Yes? Is that their one? I, I believe so. Uh, I I thought they were terrible, but again, I, I, this guy tried to seize on. He saw me having a bunch of Rush albums and and wanted to like try to bring me over to the Yes side, and I, I just didn't see any any comparable there. Anyway, yeah, I, I did that. It was Owner of a Lonely Heart. Uh, here you have it. Jack Michaels, Bob Stoffer with you. Jack, uh, the Fizzler commenting on the, the sound and caliber of the broadcast, which uh, we, we got to thank the engineers at 630 Chad, uh, Mike Evans and Troy Bowler and Sean Elford and uh, Grant and the, uh, Ransom and the whole group there for helping set us up. Uh, How would you find it the other night? Well, we had a bit of a challenge because the the screen went down in the first period, so I was I was jumping screens a little bit. Uh, but you know what? I, I thought uh, I thought for the most part we were able to. You know, it's it's funny because we don't want to deceive our audience, uh, but at the same time we also want to somehow make them feel like they're at the game, even if we're not at the game. So we're kind of we're kind of doing a, a double duty as far as that goes, because that's the whole point of radio is to is to make someone feel like they're there and and they're part of it and when you're not there and not necessarily part of it the way you're used to uh that can be a challenge but you know for the most part i i think we did you know like i said bob uh, we've never been perfect and we've never been brutal that's usually when people say you know i oh, i love you guys as a team i said oh we'll get better <laughs> i mean that's always my answer so we're 10 we're 11 years in now i think in an 11 in 11 years you and i'll look back and say you know what we're better today than we were 11 years ago i just want to get to 11 years from now. <laughs> all right uh do you miss the uh, not being on the road well it is it's it's going to be for us and and again we're, we're trying to mitigate it for our listeners and our fans it's it's going to be a somewhat disconnected season that's the that's the most, you know, challenging aspect of, of this season is you do feel a sense of disconnect. Uh, not that we're, I would say, part of the team to begin with, but we're close to the team when, you know, in a normal year. You know, we have an opportunity to observe what kind of mood the guys are in on a daily basis. Uh, there are some informal conversations when we're not necessarily in harm's way and, and, and guys feel like chatting. You know, obviously none of that is is available to us this year so uh less of an insider's role and, and more of you know 
having to do a little bit extra to try to pry uh, some of those details out, you know, at a distance. So that's the biggest thing. I think the players feel it too. You know, it's not necessarily the most connected year as far as they're concerned. Right. Uh, Darnell Nurse had some interesting comments about, you know, the plane. There's a, there's even a heavier mask, it seems like. And, you know, you're not necessarily eating and drinking at the same time. And there's no cards and there's no kind of, you know, walking around, especially on the longer flights. It wouldn't be unusual for a player or two to kind of stroll up and down the aisle, maybe even strike up a casual conversation. And, and that's obviously unavailable to them this year as well. So it's a different year for all of us. And the biggest thing is, is I, I think we've got to appreciate the sport is back. Our jobs are back and we have a responsibility to try to make it feel quasi normal until we can get back to a position that we're kind of accustomed to. The team's played five games. Jack Michaels joining us on the Oilers Radio Network. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now. How would you assess their performance through five? Well, you know, I think it's a little bit deceptive. And there was another year, and I was trying to think of it the other the other day. But, you know, it's, it's one of those years where the offense is, is really quiet right now. And people are saying, well, they're not defending and they're not scoring goals. That's a terrible combination. But if you look a little deeper, and, again, I don't want to get too analytical because, you know, that's really not my shtick. But I believe Edmonton and Vancouver are the two most, you know, the, the most chances when it comes to the, what they call the high danger areas, I guess the right. slot area in the league. And they're not scoring a ton of goals. I mean, Edmonton, you know, ground out a, you know, kind of a workmanlike effort on Wednesday and, and they kind of throttled Toronto and took away the middle of the ice, kept them to the outside, uh, got a good break with Yamamoto's hard work creating, you know, the first goal and then Yamamoto's hard work creating a, a penalty that might have been a phantom penalty as we talked about at the time. It, it looked like more than anything. Uh, there, there was a you know a, a collision of skates between Yamamoto and Cahoon, and, and that Jake Muzzin was kind of a bystander. But again, if Yamamoto wasn't harassing him to begin with, it it never would have even gotten to that point. So, uh, I think the Oilers won with grit and determination and a physical presence. I mean, Josh Archibald hit you know Joe Thornton twice that I can remember, and the second time hurt him and has put him out for a month. Uh, but I think all these chances, particularly on the power play, are eventually are going to start going in. I don't know when it'll be, but I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, we had a chance to talk with, with Glenn Gulson a bit. We've, we've talked with Dave Tippett and there's a, a continual theme there that they don't seem that, you know, worried about the, the, the chances that they feel like the chances are there. It's just a matter of time before the goals start coming. If you're not getting chances and we, we go through this when we talk to players all the time, that's when it's time to worry. And I think Edmonton, with some justification, feels like there's plenty of chances to go around. It's just a matter of filling the net. And you know what? Toronto's a bit depleted tonight. There's usually, in a situation in years past with any team, but but particularly the Oilers under the Connor McDavid area, there's there's a there's a game or two where everyone kind of breaks out and then and then you move along. And and we saw that last year when when the reuniting or the uniting rather of Nugent Hopkins, Drysaddle, Yamamoto triggered, you know, an offensive search from everyone else. I mean, Archibald and Shea and, you know, guys really came alive in the second half of the year. All it takes is one or two games, and I think Edmonton is on the precipice. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm 100% right on this, but 
I, I thought last year, but David Drysaddle and Nugent Hopkins all shot above 20% on the power play. Right now, the Oilers' shooting percentage of the power play is below 9%. Uh, and I'm going to do a little bit of work here once I get off the air with somebody on some uh, sort of scoring chances numbers to to have a, a source for that. But Edmonton's scoring chance numbers are very similar in terms of on the power play to last year. They're just not scoring. So that that's a sign that it's probably going to happen. You mentioned Nugent Hopkins with Drysaddle and Yamamoto. Uh, they're still creating a lot, Jack, with Cahoon, Drysaddle, and Yamamoto. Are you surprised that uh, Dave Tippett didn't elect in a couple of those games to throw RNH back with Leon and Yamamoto? Well, I think Dave is biding his time. I think, you know, when you're a head coach in this league, especially in this kind of scheduling format where you've got, you know, the same team. I mean, at one point, I think in the next two weeks, Ottawa is going to be the opponent four out of five. Uh, You've got a number of two-game sets to begin the year, the last of which will be Winnipeg. You've got a scenario where there's only so many adjustments you're going to have at your disposal that's going to, you know, catch someone – by surprise or that you want to have a couple of go-tos that you can that you can rely upon if your team gets in trouble and i don't know whether you know game three or game four is the time to do that i think there's going to be a time this season when edmonton needs it and Dave Tippett will make that switch and see what happens. I just don't think he believes now is the time. Uh, just as just as I don't think he was inclined to make too many major, you know, shakeups to to the power play unit. He he, it's it's not time for that yet. Now Neil's coming in, but that's because Neil is ready to play. And ultimately, Dave Tippett also knows he's got a compressed schedule where you're playing every other day for four months. You've got to get guys going, especially. You know, a veteran like James Neal, who didn't skate for like a month, you got to get him going. You got to get his legs underneath him. You got to get him playing. You know, Alex Chase on has played five games. He's not going to only play five games. He'll be back in the lineup. But I think that's the reason for the change tonight. So, to answer to your question, uh, Bob, I think it's too early, and I don't think Dave Tippett feels like his club is playing poorly enough to merit a major shakeup uh, just yet. Now, he did. He did pull Ethan Bear out of the lineup, uh, and that was a calculated move, I think, for that specific player. Just, hey, you did so much for us last year, but we need you again this year. Like, wake up. I think that was a calculated move. So, you know, just to just to stir the pot a little bit. But for the most part, I think he's he's going to be patient until, like I said, and 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 you pointed out, you're going to do further research to kind of back up what we've been talking about here. But he doesn't feel like the chances are are drying up right now. He feels like there's plenty of chances to go around. So, uh, when when it doesn't, and when things get stale, believe me, there will be changes. At no point, Bob, have you and I ever done a season where the four lines remain the same games one through 25 let alone one through 56 or one through 82 it just doesn't happen you keep guys together for about a month and month and a half and inevitably staleness sets in and there's a minor shakeup. all right switching focus hank Aaron passed away uh look you're an american uh who's uh you know obviously got a great passion for hockey but you love baseball uh for our younger listeners can you perhaps educate them on on you know, just the significance of uh, Hank Aaron 
and relative especially to the era that he played in and maybe some of the challenges that he occurred that you know incurred and had to go through that almost would seem foreign to us today well, I mean, Hank Aaron and Willie Mays, when they were, you know, when they were teenagers, had no hope of playing in the major leagues. Uh, you know, they were that last group to come through where, you know, as an African-American, making the major leagues wasn't a goal. Uh, it became their their destiny and their, their place of employment, you know, when they, were, when they were getting up there in high school and all of a sudden they had a shot. But when they were growing up, it, it wasn't an opportunity. And, and, you know, guys like Hank Aaron and Willie Mays, you know, in, in their early major league careers would not stay with the team in certain cities. Uh, you know, had to, had to deal with, especially spring training, you know, had to, had to stay in a particular section of the city in some of those places down in Florida where, where it was very, you know, they had a, they had the Jim Crow laws. I mean, there was a separate set of rules for, for people based on the color of their skin. I mean, it is, it's almost incomprehensible when you think about it. But, you know, fast forward 50, 60 years, I think so much of, of what went on uh, with this recent election had to do with what went on in the, in the summer of 2020, showing that those issues very much are still in existence. But uh, I never had a chance to meet Hank Aaron personally, but I have met a lot of people who've met him. And he was one of the uh, more understated figures in the game, uh, you know, kind of a, a pillar of strength and and really, quite frankly, an ambassador for the game in many ways, you know, for 40 years after he had been in the game, you know, I mean, he's also a guy who played, you know, 23 years at a high level. I mean, you're talking about, you know, a Joe Thornton type player who had a meaningful impact on his club for more than two decades. So a magnificent player. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, in the last six or nine months, Bob, we have seen a lot of people across a lot of different sports unfortunately uh, come to an end well and just to further your point about you know maybe why people vote the way they did the night of the u.s election uh cnn said that 37 percent of democrats voted because of race issues 24 percent of democrats voted for the democrats because of the covid handling by the u.s government and 60 percent of republicans voted for trump based on the economy so that perhaps sometimes you need to understand where people are coming coming from uh, to understand their perspectives on things. Now, we know you're a Cleveland Browns fan. Jack, I felt bad for you. You got one call, and, and people say, what are you talking about? Kansas City's the better team. There's no question. But the reality is, if there is a targeting uh, call made at the end of the first half, and Cleveland ends up first and goal on the one instead of the ball being a touchback, the Cleveland Browns could have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs in that game once Mahomes got knocked out, Jack. Absolutely. And that's the key, though. I mean, Mahomes got knocked out, which kind of, you know, was a big break for, for Cleveland at the time. I'm going to say this. I, I, you know, I don't know how clearly Kansas City was was the better team. I think Kansas City has had more experience in big games, and that might have been one of the big differences between the two clubs. I have a feeling that Cleveland's going to be back, and I have a feeling these two teams in particular will meet again. And it's, you know, it's fun. I, I, uh, I'm going, I, you know, I'm going through the same point, you know, as, as 
I was the same age my son is when the Browns last were relevant in the National Football League. And I told him, I said, hey, you have the rest of your high school you know, experience. I think you're going to be in the mix here for a potential championship. So we shall see. Time will tell. But I really don't feel like it's a one-year wonder. We'll see. All right. Who are you taking this week, uh, Chiefs and Bills? I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills to upset the Kansas City Chiefs. I I am. I'm going to take the Bills to upset the Chiefs, and I like the Packers to beat Tampa Bay. I think the run is going to come to an end uh, for Tom Brady. And that hurts me because, as you know, I'm no Packers guy. Yeah, uh, well, a significant loss. We watched our first Super Bowl together. The Packers were playing the Steelers, which was kind of a nightmare scenario for me, as you'll recall. I didn't know Uh, who to root for. There's been so many over the last 12. I remember when the uh, Patriots had the perfect season and the the Giants. Didn't we watch that one at Buffalo together? But uh, anyhow, I'm taking uh, taking the Packers. Uh, I'll take the Chiefs. Uh, the Bills, the Bills got a good team. Their offense didn't, you know, knock it out of the box against Baltimore. And weather conditions played a huge. When you when you see Jason Tucker hit two goal posts on field goal attempts, uh, and and Lamar rare mistake in the red zone. Forty nine touchdown passes in the red zone throws a pick six going the other way, and that changed the complete outcome of that game, Jack. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with KC and experience is a a factor. I think the Browns are going to have a good team for a number of years. Uh, have some fun tonight with Louie, okay? Absolutely, and uh, you and Cam will have a great call right uh, right at the 6.30 Chad studio, so we'll be calling the same game in a different city from two different locations. It ought to be fun. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a weird one, but we're lucky to do it. That is Jack Michaels. Thanks, Jack, for joining us here on Oilers Now. It is 1.52 in Edmonton again. Uh, the news of the day, Austin Matthews is out for Toronto. Joe Thornton has been placed on LTIR. The Oilers have activated James Neal. They've moved Joe Kim Nygaard uh, to uh, their taxi squad. Royal Pizza, Pizza Past, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza is offering curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a listener. 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the app store. Uh, stop for recommendation at Royal Pizza's the Mediterranean Chicken. Stick tap to Josh, who uh, texts me to say, uh, Bob, check out Darren Drager's tweet. Strong chance. Darren Drager tweeting out, Stockton Heat playing Calgary this AHL season. Needs provincial approval, but officials health officials in California at this stage are not able to sign off on the heat plane in their county. If Alberta clears, the heat are likely sharing with the Calgary Flames and the Calgary Hitmen. Because I think we're going to see junior hockey here at some point in February. At least that's the hope. The Oilers, of course, down in Bakersfield, uh, they've already got personnel down there with the Condors. To this day in Oilers history and back in the 630 Jet Studios, Brendan Escott. In 2003, Craig McTavish became just the third coach in Edmonton Oilers history, joining Glenn Sather and Ron Lowe to win 100 games. That was when Eric Brewer scored at uh, 142 of overtime for a 4-3 victory over the visiting Detroit Red Wings. Okay, Eric Brewer played for a long time in the NHL. Good defenseman. Maybe didn't quite get to where some people thought he might have been able to... Had a lengthy career, though, to say the least. Coming up uh, today on 6.30 Chad Afternoons, it's an abbreviated edition. It's from 2 until 3.30. Alberta Seniors in private. Brandon, 
Are we okay? I have to wear that one. I pressed the wrong button here, Bob. Hey, that's that's <laughs> that's all right. But I'm like, no news. Hey, did, this, did, did I run up against two o'clock a little quicker than I thought? Uh, we will tell you. Hey, don't worry. I've touched a lot of wrong buttons over the years and, and some hot buttons as well. This is uh, what I was looking for. Okay. Uh, we'll tell you that Alberta seniors in private and not-for-profit long-term care homes continue to be excluded from priority phases of COVID-19 vaccine rollouts. Jayla and I will speak with the operators of two such facilities about their frustrations they're hearing from the residents and their families. This will take place after a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Again, I'll be joining you uh, from the studios tonight, 3.30 face-off show. Reed, Rob, Cam, Moon, myself, 5 p.m. buck drop, and then again Sunday out of MTS Place in Winnipeg, 7 p.m. Puck drop. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Let's see if the Oilers can get a win or two. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.